When we hired Rachel a year ago, April, we had that epic snowstorm, and she came up from Florida. That's where she was living. We said, it's not like this. It'll never be like that again. And so this February, she's just hanging by a thread, but we, we sure love what she does. Hey, thanks for making it out to church today, everyone. Welcome to all of you at one of our campuses throughout the Twin Cities. So glad you're here. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online today as a part of our congregation as well. Uh, today, we do begin a new series called Come and See, because in the Gospel of John, people were continually invited to come and see who Jesus was and how Jesus could change their life. So in John chapter 1, Philip said to his brother Nathaniel, he said, Nathaniel, we have found the one Moses wrote about and about whom the prophet spoke, Jesus of Nazareth. And of course, Nathaniel did not believe Philip that the one Moses wrote about 4,000 years earlier was now standing over there by the apple cart. Who would believe that? Uh, you know, Philip said, We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It'd be like saying, You know, we found the Messiah and he's from Coon Rapids. Or, you know, he's from Milwaukee. I mean, no one would believe that. And so Nathaniel's like, You gotta be kidding me. You found the Messiah, you, you just, you're joking. And so Philip says to his brother, well, you don't take my word for it. Just, just come and see for yourself. And then when Jesus met a woman at a well who had been divorced five times, he spoke lovingly into her brokenness, and she was so moved that she left her jar at the well, ran back into town, and she just announced to anybody who would listen, come and see a man who told me everything I've done. Could this be? Could this be the Christ? And I love the hopeful nature of her statement. Could this be the one who will heal me, save me from my sins? Maybe that's what some of you are hoping for today, that you will hear Jesus speak to you or maybe heal you or give you a new chance at life. I've mentioned this before, but a few years ago, I had a layover in New York City, and so I grabbed a cab from LaGuardia Airport, and the cabbie was a 28-year-old New Yorker, typical New Yorker, whose accent and language was very colorful. His name was Daniel, and within a few minutes, I sensed that God put me in Daniel's cab for a reason to invite Daniel to come and see he was complaining about losing his hair, and I said, well, look at me. I'm completely bald. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. He turned on his dome light, and he said, oh, <laughs> yeah, you are. And I, said, I said, you just have to do what I did. You got to marry your high school sweetheart, and then it doesn't matter what happens to your hair. He said, are you still married to her? I said, yeah, for 31 years. He says, oh, that's awesome, just awesome. He paused and then threw out the dreaded question, so... What do you do for a living? I said, you don't want to know. He said, what are you, a cop? I said, worse than that. <laughs> he said, FBI? I said, no. He said, prison guard, CIA? He was obsessed with the law because he'd broken nearly all of it. He said, what are you? I said, you don't want to know. He said, come on, man. I've met all kinds. I'll be cool. I said, well, <laughs> all right. I'm a pastor, and he almost smashed into a guardrail. I mean, he just, 
and he spun around and he said, oh, that's awesome, bro. That's all. I mean, he loved the word awesome. He said, I said, I'm so sorry for cussing and swearing back there. I said, well, don't worry about it. That's why I don't tell people, because they get all nervous, and then they crash their cars into stuff. <laughs> Daniel opened up, though, and said that he, he had met his dad only twice in his lifetime. But he tried to call him recently to do what dads and sons are supposed to do. Talk about baseball and stuff. He was married for three years, had three kids, one with another woman, but he said he wanted to do it right this time. He told me he drove 60 hours a week to provide a better life for his kids than he had growing up. We talked about the Yankees, Yankees and Twins, and then he pulled up to my hotel. He put his car in park, and he turned to face me, and he said, would you, would you pray for me? And I said, Daniel, I believe God put me in your cab for a reason tonight, to let you know that God loves you and wants a relationship with you if you're open to it. He said, you know, I'm open, but I, ju I just want you to pray for me because I got a lot of stuff, you know? And so I put my hand on his shoulder and I, I prayed for Daniel's family and, and I, that God would heal the wound that's there because of his dad. And when I was done, he opened my car door, I stepped out and he just bear hugged me and he said, that's awesome, man. <laughs> just awesome. I don't think Daniel put his trust in Jesus as his savior that night, but maybe it sparked something inside him. Maybe it began his search to come and see who Jesus really is because the come and see invitation is available to all the Daniels of the world who maybe have a belief in God, but God's really not central to their life. By the way, it's the same invitation for all of us. Uh, you know, to come and see who Jesus is or rediscover who Jesus is and if he's able to save us from all of the pain and brokenness that we all experience in this world, could he be the one to heal me, save me, restore me no matter what? In John chapter three, we meet a man, Nicodemus, love this story, who came kind of in secret by himself to come and see who Jesus was, we pick it up here. It says, there was a man of the, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could do the miracles you're doing if God were not with him. Little background, uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, which meant he was a prominent Jewish rabbi, knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. He was also a member of the Jewish ruling council, which meant he was one of the 72 elders who made the rules and taught Jewish law. He was a good guy. You know, he kept the Ten Commandments, he believed in God, but the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus. Mainly his claim to be God, which was considered blasphemy, and subject to death. But there were some people, some Pharisees like Nicodemus, who saw Jesus' miracles, and they heard his teaching, 
that was unlike they'd ever seen or heard before. So they wondered about him, and Nicodemus even said, we know you're a teacher who's come from God because nobody could do these miracles that you're doing if you weren't from God, you were some kind of special guy. But Nicodemus had a lot at stake, which is why he came to see Jesus at night. He had a lot at stake because his colleagues viewed Jesus as a religious threat and were looking for a way to kill him. And so Nicodemus risked everything, even at night, to come and see. And as we look into this story, I see three phases that all of us, all people, go through in the process of discovering Jesus. And the first phase is is the hiding phase. Nicodemus came at night because he had a lot at stake. He had a lot to lose, but he came anyway because he was bothered. Nicodemus had risen to Jewish prominence. He practiced his religion, but he always felt like something was missing. He had a religion, but he didn't have a relationship with God. It was different with Jesus, though. When Jesus spoke, his words had life, not just law. People were amazed at Jesus' teaching and Jesus' miracles. Just a couple days before, Nicodemus watched Jesus change water into the finest wine at a wedding feast, and he wondered how could he do that if he didn't have divine power. And yet it was Jesus' love for people that struck Nicodemus the most, I think. Not just for religious people, but Jesus' love for all people. It was a kind of love he'd never seen or felt before, so, so he came. And he wondered, could this be the one that the prophets wrote about? He came at night, hidden from family, friends, and colleagues, and maybe, by the way, that's where some of us are today. Because when people are invited to come and see, it often starts with the hiding phase, You know, maybe start by watching online or slip into the back row of a church because you're unsure about God a little bit. You're unsure about Jesus and religion. Maybe some of you were burned by a bad religious experience, so you come and hide, and you just need to heal a little bit. Some of you might be in the hiding phase because you're afraid of what your family or friends might think of you now interested in who Jesus is, but you come anyway because you're bothered by something maybe by an emptiness inside or a lack of purpose or a yearning to know God, and you wonder, is Jesus the one who can actually heal me and restore me and give me a sense of purpose? Is Jesus able to save me? And isn't it true we all wonder that at some level? Hiding's real common at first especially among people who have something to lose. And that leads to the second phase. It's the questioning phase. You know, Jesus knew that Nicodemus was searching for answers. And so he begins asking Jesus questions. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is confusing language to Nicodemus, 
And so he begins to ask Jesus a question. He says, look, how can, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, he, he's a rational thinker. And he's confused because he's thinking purely about physical reality. But Jesus is saying, look, it's possible to be physically alive and spiritually dead. That just like we have a physical birth, every single one of us, we also need to have a spiritual birth in order to come alive. Jesus said, look, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Flesh gives birth to flesh. We've all had a flesh birth, but God's spirit gives birth to the human spirit. Jesus is saying, look, we're born physically, but then we need to be born again spiritually, and the reason is is because we're all sinners, and sin brings a kind of death to our life. Death to our relationships, death to our, our soul, our families. And so the reason some people feel so defeated and so empty and hopeless and dead inside is because they're physically alive, but spiritually dead. I was trying to think how I could <laughs> illustrate this to you. And again, I've, I've, I've mentioned this one before too, but I've worn the same style of Levi jeans for 40 years. Same style, $34.99, easy. But people started telling me I needed better jeans. Well, I don't want better jeans. Mine are, mine, are, mine are just fine. But one day I was sitting next to a couple of our musicians at an all-staff meeting, and they were both wearing skinny jeans. I even hate the word. <laughs> but I admit they look good. And so when I asked them about it, they said with way too much enthusiasm, they said, yes, you've got to get a pair. Excuse me, but I don't need a pair. But they said, you gotta get a pair. Go to American Eagle and get some super flex skinny jeans. I said, not gonna happen. <laughs> but my wife, three weeks later, took me to J. Crew, Banana Republic, The Limited. I tried on a dozen. I hated it. Hated the whole experience. All I wanted to do was grab a pair of Levi's, slap down 34 bucks, and be out the door. Finally, though, we walked into American Eagle and I was totally lost. It felt like I was in kind of a hell-like experience there. <laughs> when I asked for help, a 20-something kid led me to a stack of jeans, pulled a pair off the pile and said, try these. I glanced at the price, almost died right there, almost said, there's no way. But I took them back, a pair of super flex skinny jeans, went to a changing room, and I'm telling you, something happened in that room <laughs> that maybe has never happened at an American Eagle ever before. Someone was born again, and that someone was me. They felt amazing. They fit perfectly. I shouted to my wife who was out in the store somewhere. I said, these are incredible. I came out and I modeled them to her and I think I saw a twinkle in her eye that I hadn't seen in a very long time. <laughs> the problem was they were $56. But there was a deal that if you bought one pair, the second pair was half off, but I didn't need two pairs, so I said to Lori, I said, look, I'm gonna go see if I can get a discount on one pair. 
She said, they're not gonna do that. I said, well, I can't pay 56 bucks for a pair of jeans. She went to the car. <laughs> Left me standing in line with a pair of skinny jeans. I was very nice. I walked up to the gal. I said, look, I know that if you buy two pairs, you get a discount, but I only need one pair, so could I get a discount on one pair? <laughs> she said, you have to buy two pairs to get the discount. I said, but I only need one pair. She looked over to her manager and kind of yelled. He wants a discount on one, on, two, on one pair. She said, you have to buy two pairs for the discount. I said, but I don't need two pairs. She said, we can't help you. I said, well, maybe I won't buy anything. She said, we don't care. <laughs> I wanted to hire her right there on the spot. So I bought them for $56 because I couldn't leave the store without them. And I'm telling you, every time I put them on, I feel born again. I feel like a new person. But here's my point. I wonder how many of us are physically alive, but not spiritually alive. We're alive, but we're not really living. When God's spirit enters your life, through faith in Christ. Verse six says it this way, God's spirit gives birth to your spirit. Your spirit comes alive, and I'm telling you, when that happens, everything changes. You see things, hear things, and feel things you never saw, heard, or felt before. Suddenly you get hungry for God's word and for truth, which never changes, by the way. You cry sometimes during worship and don't understand why you're crying. You're bothered by sin now. Your sin and other people's sin. You gain a new passion for people who are lost and far from God. Your whole reason for living changes because you've experienced spiritual birth through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that? Nicodemus would have never known that had he not asked some questions. It's a critical phase in finding out the truth of who Jesus is. By the way, Jesus laid it right on the line for Nicodemus. I mean, he went right to the deal. So down in verse 14, Jesus says, look, just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so Nicodemus, I must be lifted up on a pole, on a tree, so that everyone, key word, who believes in me will have eternal life. God so loved the world, Jesus said, that he gave his only son that whoever, again, believes in him will not perish, Nicodemus, but have eternal life. He goes on, but whoever, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in God's one and only son. Five times Jesus repeats this word believe to make sure that Nicodemus understands it's not your position, it's not your religion, it's not your good works that gives you eternal life, that makes you born again. It's by belief in Jesus Christ. Jesus made it crystal clear for this Pharisee that there's only one way to heaven, there's only one way to spiritual rebirth, and that's through belief 
in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Savior of the world. But that's not popular. Not according to theologian Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) Oprah said it this way, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to think there's only one way to heaven. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. Oops. Jesus did not give us that option. Here's what Bono said. Bono of U2, I love U2, by the way, said in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, Bono was once asked, isn't belief in Jesus as the Son of God far-fetched? Bono said it this way, not to me. The secular response to Jesus is that he was a great prophet like Muhammad, Buddha, or Confucius, Oprah, but Jesus doesn't allow you that. Next. He said he was the Messiah, God in the flesh. So what you're left with, says Bono, is either Jesus is who he said he was, or he was a complete lunatic. One or the other. Love that. Jesus said, look, whoever believes in me is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. He didn't say that out of anger, out of judgment, but out of love. Questions lead to answers. Answers lead to a decision, which is the final phase. Nicodemus was now faced with the decision, hearing this truth. Would he come out of hiding? Would he risk his career, risk his reputation, his whole life to accept Jesus as Savior, or would he walk away? Well, if you read the Bible in John 19, we roll the story forward. Jesus had just been crucified and his dead body hung on a cross. And Nicodemus was there. And he remembered Jesus' words spoken privately to him, I must be lifted up on a pole. And he wondered how Jesus knew that weeks ahead of time. The Bible says it this way, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for Jesus' body. He was accompanied by who? Nicodemus. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, Nicodemus, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. This is a huge risk for Nicodemus, by the way. Up until this point, he's kept his faith in Jesus in hiding for fear of the consequences, but no more. He's made his decision, so he he goes boldly to Pilate and asks that Jesus get a proper burial, permission granted, The Bible says he brought 75 pounds of expensive spices to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Historians Bachman and Hart say it this way, Nicodemus was not sneaking out to the execution site, hiding from critics. He was there in broad daylight. He assisted Joseph in recovering Jesus' body. He carried 75 pounds of spices. Only kings were buried with that amount. He was saying publicly that Jesus was now his king dangerously exposing his faith and risking his life. This careful and calculated Pharisee 
one day steps out of hiding and throws caution to the wind, he knew from this day forward he would be persecuted by his fellow Jews. He would be labeled as a card-carrying Christ follower, but he doesn't care anymore. What brought Nicodemus out of the shadows of doubt into a high-risk public belief in Jesus as his Savior and God? Well, Jesus' miracles were part of it. Jesus' teaching and Jesus' love for all people was part of it, but there was something more. There was something more that brought Nicodemus out of hiding into bold belief, and I think I know what it is. Nicodemus had a front row seat to Jesus' crucifixion, and he watched a good man die. You know, watching someone die is a pretty powerful thing. I've witnessed it several times in my life. I've been in hospital rooms and living rooms and accident sites where people lay dead sometimes in a pool of blood. It's a powerful thing to watch someone die up close and personal and Nicodemus watched Jesus die. He saw the whole thing. He saw the executioners reach for their hammers and spikes and heard Jesus scream in anguish, but then turn to his executioners and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, what kind of person does that? Who's being tortured, plead for mercy for the ones doing the torturing. Nicodemus saw the crowd laugh and spit and mock. He heard one thief hurl abuse at Jesus while Jesus offered redemption to another. I mean, how do you extend love and life to a criminal when your own life is being ripped away unjustly? Nicodemus heard Jesus make arrangements for the care of his mother while his death was making arrangements for your sins and mine. He watched as the one who had power to heal the sick, calm the storms, and call 10,000 angels to rescue him, lay all that power aside to atone for the sins of this sad, sorry world. Nicodemus saw the whole thing. And I think it was the supernatural love and courage of Jesus that rang Nicodemus' bell that day. The love and courage of Jesus to go to the cross, stay on the cross, and finish the mission his father had assigned to him. And I think when Nicodemus heard Jesus' final cry, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he saw Jesus exhale for the last time and saw his body go limp on the cross, I think something stirred so powerfully in Nicodemus that he grit his teeth and said under his breath, I will never cower again. I will never stay silent when God asked me to speak. I will never stay hidden about my faith. I will stand boldly for the one who suffered and died and rose again to redeem my life. And to prove it to himself, he put his own life on the line by asking Pilate for the privilege of burying Jesus as his Savior and Lord. But in exchange, Nicodemus was born again. And now he knew the meaning of Jesus' words. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but God's spirit gives birth to the human spirit. For the first time in his life, Nicodemus felt alive. 
He felt forgiven and loved by God. He had a new peace in his life that defied explanation. It was his finest hour. So what turned Nicodemus from being a careful, calculated coward into a courageous follower of Christ? It was watching a good man die and three days later rise again, just like he predicted. Is it okay to stay in hiding for a while? Is it necessary to ask hard questions about who Jesus is? Absolutely. But sooner or later, you and I have to make a choice and embrace him as Lord and Savior or just walk away. You know, maybe some of you are in hiding today. That's okay. It really is for a while. Some of you are in this questioning mode, and it's really important to ask questions of faith. I'm so glad that our faith isn't based on a whim. It's based on facts. It's based on history. It's based on a real live Savior who died and rose again. I'm so glad it's not mythology. It's something we can base our life on. So asking questions is important, but I wonder if today is the day that some of you will say, I'm done hiding, done asking questions, done living a defeated life. I don't have all my questions answered, but I have enough of them answered. I'm gonna come out of hiding. I'm gonna declare once and for all that Jesus is Lord. And I'm gonna be born again and experience new life. So how I'd like us to close today is with a song, and I'm going to invite all of our campuses uh, to just let this song wash over you, let it speak to you, let it be your prayer. For those of you who are believers in Christ, just reaffirm your faith as you listen to these words, watch these words, or maybe sing them yourself. But for those of you who have been hiding or maybe asking questions and just haven't embraced Jesus as Lord, let this be your prayer, your prayer of salvation, your prayer when you are coming out of hiding and saying, I want Jesus. Let this song be your time, your moment when you are born again and gain new life. So at all campuses, we'll close in this final, this final song. Anybody here need to come out of hiding and declare that Jesus Christ is our living hope, your living hope? If you're uncertain about your relationship with Christ, if you're uncertain about your faith, and you would like to pray a prayer, I'd like to lead you in that prayer so you can be certain. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but God's spirit gives birth to the human spirit. If you would like to experience that, experience new life, a new joy, new hope. Uh, this is your moment. Just let me lead you in a quick prayer, and then we'll be done real quick at all campuses. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for all of us, including me, for my sins. 
and many of us stand here boldly declaring, you are Lord and Savior, God and King. No turning back. Father, for the one or two or three or many who are in hiding and just uncertain, God, I pray that this moment will be their moment. If you're uncertain about your faith, you would like to make sure Put your full trust, full belief in Christ as your Savior. Be forgiven of sin, set free. Just breathe a, a brief prayer. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin. Thank you for going the distance, for being crucified on a cross, for sins that you didn't commit to pay for sins that I would commit all my life. So right now, right here, Lord Jesus Christ, I am putting my full belief in you as my Savior, my full trust. My faith is in you as my living hope. Please forgive me of all my sins. Make me new. This is my moment that I am declaring, Jesus Christ, you're my living hope. I pray this in your name. Amen. Again, at all campuses, if you prayed that prayer, um, would you tell somebody that you did that? Just tell someone and then text BELIEVE, 555-888. We've got a new believer's guide that we'd like to put into your hands. There's 12 weeks that'll help you out in your new faith. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Thanks for watching online. May God bless each and every one of you. Amen.